This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. Welcome to the Safety Wars Podcast, August 17th, 2022. We're going to start out with some news updates. Then we're going to move into some commentary on one of the news stories. So, uh, I'm up here in Rockland County, as everyone knows, New York, New York. About an hour and ten minutes north of New York City, except when I go to New York City, where it takes about two hours. Uh, that's a little joke there. Polio continues to impact my area of New York, and, you know, why am I covering it? Well, first, it's as local as local could be. I literally had this going on about a mile away from my house, from where I'm sitting right now. One of the goals of this show is to be at the forefront of a lot of this stuff. We were born officially during the pandemic, but I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And anything like this with a public health emergency, I want to be at the forefront of it. So we could give you good, accurate, scientifically valid information and something you could do with it on top of that. So what I see going on here with polio is that it's coming out this week. It came out, I should say, that a lot of the communities that are surrounding me here have very low vaccination rates. A lot of these communities, primarily uh, Hasidic Jews, and I'm not saying anything anti-Semitic here, I'm stating fact, uh, have lower vaccination rates than some of the other communities. There are several uh, Hasidic Jewish communities here in Rockland County, Orange County, which is next door, and also up and down the eastern seaboard here, mostly up in the metro New York City area. And as I see, what I see potentially happening is all these communities being negatively impacted by it, and it's spreading further, potentially. Uh, and if you think you uh, may not have this problem out west, guess what? There are Hasidic Jewish communities out west, like in and around Denver, Colorado, where this might impact those. And they're starting a vaccination program there. They've had one since the middle of last month, I believe, and throughout Rockland County, and people are getting vaccinated, and you know, there's really been very little resistance, and everything else is a little bit too swampy in the conversation, so we'll leave it at that. But uh, what the, the big thing news that came out this week is that health authorities have reported that there are several hundred cases in my community, and they're measuring that in the sewage, that, and they're able to draw some conclusions based on the sewage treatment plants. And the same thing is happening over in New York City. Second story I wanted to talk about, Rust, the Rust movie set incident with uh, Alec Baldwin. If you recall, the cinematographer on the movie Rust, this happened in New Mexico, uh, Helena Hutchins was shot with a gun allegedly held by Alec Baldwin. I think, uh, no, it's in the news, you can go and check it out, what all the major details were, but as a refresher, we covered this on our program a couple of months ago, when the state of New Mexico uh, and their Occupational Safety and Health uh, uh, Agency 
uh, detailed a whole bunch of alleged violations against the movie. And it came down to a culture there. Uh, the system failing. It was like a uh, textbook example of a system failing, which led to this. The FBI this week issued a report that said that it was unlikely for the gun to go off without a pull of the trigger. So if you're familiar with revolvers, uh, you can have a single action or double action. The single action, you have to physically pull back the hammer on the revolver, pull the trigger, and you get one shot. The next shot, you're, you have to pull the hammer back again and take another shot. With a double action, you just pull the trigger, and it uh, is able to fire the gun without pulling back on the hammer. So this was a uh, antique-style gun, and uh, what uh, one of the questions was, could the gun fire with just a qu uh, when you're pulling back the hammer and the hammer slips with a quarter pull or a half pull or a full pull? And what the FBI has said, according to the reports here, is that the gun uh, uh, had to be, the trigger had to be pulled for that gun to go off. I don't know. We'll let the attorneys figure it out uh, and everything else. Uh, but the important thing that we learned from before is you might want to keep your mouth shut if you're going to be involved in a criminal type thing or potentially get accused of a criminal type thing and you know see your attorney to make sure that you're doing the right thing we have a little bit of background noise here but i'm not going to redo the recording here because i think i was on a roll so for the third uh story we're talking about is Anne Heche, and as everyone knows, I think by that now, she passed away from a drunk driving accident is what's being reported. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what's been in the news. But uh, she was allegedly intoxicated and involved in a one-person car accident, and which burned down a house. Thank God nobody else was killed. The reactions uh, to her death have been mixed, and I wanted to comment on that. It's... A little bit disconcerting, you know, uh, I've, I've evolved over the years. 20 years ago, I would have probably been very hard on her, but with the, uh, with the benefit of age, maturity, learning about human and organizational performance, and some life experience, I'm really not going to be that hard on her. I mean, uh, you have two sides here. People seem to come down on two sides, right? Either one, one uh, she is sick, and an addiction is a sickness. Right? All medical authorities pretty much say that. Uh, if you're addicted, it's not necessarily in a, a, a moral failing or anything like that. She was doing an irrational thing. She was driving while intoxicated. She knew what the hazards were by this time. She got into a car accident that could have easily killed someone other than her uh, and no, she caused massive property damage this is all part of the addiction cycle where you know something is no good for you and you do it anyway and it's just the way it is what I'm hearing from one side well, she was an irresponsible insert whatever word you want to use and she deserves no pity right? and she did it to herself Come on, right? Let's talk about statistics here for a moment. Let's talk about drunk driving statistics. 
Drunk driving fatalities have leveled that at around 10,000 people a year, 10 to 10,500 roughly. According to most of the statistics, and I'm getting it from the National Transportation Highway Safety Board. But the good news is that it's 65% lower numerically than in 1982 when they first really started uh, compiling these statistics. How has all of this been done? A lot of stuff. Stricter laws, penalties, awareness, new technology, and safer cars. Remember, we didn't have airbags in 1982. We did not really have cars that were constructed to take a hit as well as today. They crumpled up versus my father's 1967 Mercury. That thing was a tank. Or I, I think about the early 1970s Oldsmobiles. Those things were land yachts and the Chryslers are huge. But uh, no seat belts, right, weren't used. Often, really 1982, 1983 is when seat belts were really starting to be uh, used. They were available going back to the 60s, the modern seat belt about 76. And then in 82, people started to wear seat belts. And then by the mid 80s, at least in my neighborhood, pretty much everybody was wearing them. We have better emergency care today than in 1982. All these things and more reduce the impact of drunk driving because you had multiple controls here. You had multiple things going on all at one shot. But let's remember something also. We have more drivers and more miles driven also. So, no, we've had a really significant uh, uh, statistical change, but we've plateaued statistically at about 10,000. Seems to be where it's stayed. Now, let's get back to the story. The question is this. What kind of society do we want? Do we want a kinder one, looking to fix problems, learn and improve? Or to constantly shame someone who is sick or something in the middle? I'm probably going to go something somewhere in the middle, but we're going to favor trying to help people and fix problems. The, if this rough and tumble way of shaming people, especially it's not, uh, not nice to talk uh, negatively about the dead, that's not what I've always been told, right? If that, this continues to be the norm, which I think it is the norm at this point, I don't really see good end results in any of this. It won't reduce drunk driving. Right? We've already had penalties. They've been there for 40 years. In New Jersey, they've been there since 1906. Those were the first recorded drunk driving laws. Everything else has gotten us to the, no, everything else has not gotten us to this mythical zero that we're always talking about. Right? We talk about that green sign. We've worked, no, 5,380 days with no lost time injuries or no injuries, no illnesses, no this, and no. And then the next day, thanks, Joe, we've worked zero days without injuries. Right? So Joe gets the blame. It's a mythical thing. Right? So I don't know where we need to go with this. Right? We know that what could have happened here. This easily could have been a mass casualty event. But, it, but what did happen? It was one person... Right? Involved in a car accident, hitting property and destroying it, and one person ultimately being killed, and hey, sh rest in peace. She knew what the potentials were. We know what the end result is. We know what it is. I don't know if she knew what it is, unless it was immediately before this happened. Any number of addictions or behaviors, from overeating, eating wrong things, too much social media, sexual addiction, 
gaming addiction, workaholic, you name it, have negative destructive consequences. And that's just a short list of addictions and negative behaviors that we uh, have here as human beings. My minister would say we live in a fallen world and this is the way it is. So we know that she did it. Why, why did she do it? Because it's the same reason why people bypass safety procedures, safety plans, the short-term gain and incentives. Short-term gain was probably getting high. What was the incentive? Nothing bad happened so far, so it's going to continue to go on. That's likely what it was based on my experience. Sound familiar? How many times have we heard this in the workplace? You're playing a crafts game and you're hoping to roll the right numbers. And most of the time you don't. You do. You don't, you know, you don't get to have a problem most of the time. That's a reinforcing behavior. And what are you going to do about it? We have to have a different approach here. Try to understand people. We know from our human and organizational performance stuff that blame fixes nothing. Blaming and shaming people who are sick, who have documented health issues like addictions, mental health issues also, will not get us to preventing drunk driving and its results. What is needed is a systemic approach and a cultural change. Cultural, we've been trying this for a long time. Since the late 1970s, I grew up with this stuff. We have had a culture shift in the U.S. by penalizing people, very command and control. Maybe this approach works for people who do not have a clinical diagnosis like alcoholism or anything else. Now the question is, what do we do with people who do have these issues? More mental health resources could be one thing. One thing that happened last year was that the Biden administration signed legislation that mandates anti-drunk driving features in new cars by 2026. Eventually, all cars will have this technology once the older cars are off the road. I'll probably be one foot in the grave or in the grave by then, by the time that happens, especially with people like me who like to drive old cars. That's a systemic solution to the problem, but it's going to take decades to get there. Right? That's the kind of systemic change we need. Smart technology, things of that nature. Increased penalties? Sure. Okay. How much more, you know are we going to do uh, with this? I don't know how politically feasible it's even to lower the standards for uh, drug, blood, blood alcohol content, for example. And now we have other compounding issues potentially with legalization or decriminalization of drugs uh, there with marijuana and other uh, drugs. That's gonna get thrown into here. Do we need better intervention programs, medication, therapy, or anything else? Maybe rather than shaming them, perhaps, perhaps we need more compassion, more empathy, and of course, tough love. Getting people to admit they have a problem and cure it, or at least manage it, is a whole lot better than a lot of the other alternatives. Is there a place for criminal civil penalties? Yeah, but that's only one way. In 40 years, we're still getting there at 10,000 deaths per year. But let me, I know this is a rant here, but let me think, uh, leave you with this thought. Think long and hard as to what kind of society we want to live in. You want to live in a harsh, commanding, controlled society? More penalties? Potential police state? Because this does not end here. 
there are other things that go on with, uh, that go on here. If they pass a law, we all know in the United States, they don't pass a law. They pass a law, they pass writers along with that law, and a whole bunch of stuff gets buried in there. Who knows what's going to get buried in there? Maybe that's not the way to go. Something, I, maybe being more in tune to the realities of life that are getting people and getting people to help and finding out why they're not getting help might be in order, either formally or informally. So, that's all part of the safety war that we're fighting here. For safety wars, this is Jim Pozel. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Are you tired of hiring safety consultants and safety professionals that don't have any passion for what they're doing? How about those who have never worked in the field or done the dirty work? Is there resistance to taking safety training because the training is boring, irrelevant, and unengaging? Are your employees playing a team, college student, or someone on the dark web to take the online safety training for them? Look no further. Safety Wars can come to your facility or do most of the training you need through an online platform at times convenient for you. For more information, call me, Jim Pozel, your Safety Wars host at 845-694-4170. Or you can email me at jim at safetywars.com. Remember, if you've heard this transmission, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.